morning, Mount Hope. It is good to be with you again today. And today we start a brand new series here at at the church. It's only going to be two weeks. Uh, I have the opportunity and the privilege to talk to you this week, and Pastor Rick will be here next week to continue this conversation. And we're going to ask this question over the next two weeks. What is it that we are learning, or maybe even more importantly, what is it that God wants us to learn as we begin to emerge from this uh, time period, from this, from this pandemic? Now, if you remember, if you were with us on Easter, Pastor Rick used an analogy in his sermon on that day. He said, it feels like right now we're, it, we're walking through a long tunnel. And many of us know what that's like to enter a tunnel. In fact, if you're from the Boston area and you drive through the city of Boston, we all know what that's like to go down into a tunnel. And certainly that is kind of like what it's felt like as we've all been staying at home and staying away from the public and doing church online and all sorts of other things, that we've entered into this tunnel. And one of the challenging things about this tunnel is that we weren't sure how long it was going to last. In fact, in many ways, we're still not sure how long it's going to last. But I do think that even though we're still not sure how long this tunnel is, at the very least, we're starting to begin to notice light from the other end of the tunnel coming into the tunnel. I know I'm very excited this Tuesday at 9 a.m. I'm going to get my hair cut. And so that is sign, a sign that we are beginning to emerge from this tunnel. And we know the emerging from the tunnel is going to be slow moving and it's going to take longer than we probably want it to. But at, at the very least, we certainly are coming toward the end of this. We're moving further along. And the question is, What does God want us to learn as we emerge from this period of our lives together? And so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about that. And this week, this Sunday, I think there's two things that you and I need to think about, two very specific things we need to think about in answering the question, what does God want us to understand and what does God want us to learn coming out of this? And to answer those, to understand those two things, to answer this question, we're actually going to look at the story of a man uh, who, in a way, went through his own self-quarantine, went through his own crisis, and we're going to look at how he emerged from it. And we're going to learn a couple of lessons that are going to be valuable uh, for both you and me. And the person we're going to look at this morning is the person of Jonah. And so I'd invite you, if you have your Bible with you, or if you're using a tablet or a phone, to take a moment and turn to the book of Jonah. It's not a very long book. It's, it's, pack, it's kind of hidden in the Old Testament there among the minor prophets. But take a look at that story. I think this is a story that if you grew up in church, if you've been around church for a while, you've heard pieces of this story. You've heard that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. You've heard that, that that's the main point of this story. But we're going to talk about an aspect of this story that doesn't get a lot of airtime in Sunday school or, or whenever else we talk about the story of Jonah. Here's the story of Jonah. I'll, I'll recount it for you. At the very beginning, God asked Jonah to do something significant. And you can see it right there in Jonah 1.1. It says this. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. And this is a pretty significant thing that Jonah's asking, or God's asking Jonah to do. That he would go to Nineveh, which is known as a, as a pretty evil place, and that he would call down judgment on the city. It's significant because the Ninevites were not part of God's chosen people. And this is one of the 
the places in the Old Testament where God actually wants to show mercy and grace to people who are outside of the Israelite tribe and outside of that group. And so he commands Jonah, go to the Ninevites, this evil city, and call out judgment against them. And look what Jonah does here. But Jonah, he rose to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God asked Jonah to head to Nineveh, and Jonah hears this call, and he heads the exact opposite direction, as far as he can. In fact, trying to escape God's presence, which is a little bit challenging because God's everywhere equally at the exact same time, but Jonah still wants to do it. And have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a position where you know God is asking you to do something and you try to do anything you can to run the opposite direction as far as you can to get away from what he's asking you to do? That's Jonah. Well, if you know the story, Jonah hops on this boat headed to Tarshish and there's this giant storm and the crew of the ship are in a complete panic. They think they're going to sink. Jonah, meanwhile, is sleeping uh, in the boat and they go and they wake him up and they say, you need to help us. What is going on? And they actually use an ancient gambling system to figure out what's going on. They cast lots and the lot falls to Jonah, meaning all of a sudden the crew knows that Jonah is the reason for this peril that they're in. And Jonah says, you're right. It is my fault. I'm running away from God. And they look at him and they say, why would you do this to us? Why would you put us in this peril and this danger? What do we do? Jonah says, you toss me off the boat. You'll be fine. And they don't want to do it. But eventually with no other choice, they toss Jonah into the sea. And now maybe you know what happens if you grew up in Sunday school. God puts Jonah under his own 72-hour stay-in-place order. He puts Jonah straight into quarantine, and he does that by allowing a big fish to come and to swallow Jonah and to hold him captive for three days and three nights. And Jonah, while he's in the belly of that fish, he prays to God. And you can read that there in Jonah chapter 2 if you'd like to. He prays to God. And at the end of those three days, we have this sort of violent picture of this big fish vomiting Jonah. That's the word that's used there. Vomiting Jonah back onto land. And God comes back to Jonah and says, Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. And this time Jonah does it. And he preaches to the people of Nineveh. And he says, if you don't turn from your wicked ways... God is going to rain down judgment upon you. And do you know what happens? The Ninevites, led by their king, completely repent. They throw themselves at the feet of God. They plead for his mercy. And they turn and they begin to follow the God of the Israelites, just as Jonah had told them they needed to do. It's this great win for the kingdom of God that this evil group of people would turn and now follow God with their lives. But do you know what Jonah does as a result of this? Do you know how Jonah feels about this? I mean, think if you went to do this great thing that God called you to do and it actually happened. All these people turned the emotions that you would be feeling. Here's how Jonah feels. You can read about it in Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. But it... The it being the Ninevites turning and worshiping God. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, 
is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. That's kind of a, a crazy reaction from Jonah, isn't it? That God would do this amazing thing among the Ninevites and Jonah would come back to God and his heart would be so angry and displeased and he would say, I knew it. I knew you were going to do this. You're such a loving God, gracious God, compassionate God, and you know what? I'm sick of it. I would rather die than experience this anymore. And we learned something interesting about Jonah in that moment. Something that all of us need to think about. Jonah was put in this 72-hour hold so he could think about how he was living and who he was. And he emerged. And Jonah emerged, and he did the thing that God wanted him to do. But he had not become the person that God wanted him to become. And I think that's significant for us to think about for a moment. Jonah proves Jonah proves that you can do exactly what God wants you to do with your life and fail when it comes to following God. Jonah shows you can do exactly what God's calling you to do with your life. You can do exactly what God says and yet fail at what God wants you to do. I think that we, as we walk through our own quarantine here, as we walk through our own crisis, many of us have probably come to God and we have said, God, what do you want us to do? What is it that you want us to do? And surely, as we think, as your pastors and leaders of the church, we think about reopening the church. We think about, about engaging community. We think about, about be, keeping people safe. We go to the Lord over and over and over again, and we say, God, what is it that you want us to do? Please tell us what you want us to do, and we will go and do it. But I wonder, how many of us are actually going to the Lord right now and saying, God, Who is it that you desire us to become? See, Jonah's failure wasn't that he didn't do what God wanted him to do. He did it. But he didn't become the person that God wanted him to become. Rather than being the prophet who would rejoice in God's graciousness, rather than being the prophet who would be overwhelmed by God's abundant love and and forgiveness for the people of Nineveh, he is consumed by anger. In that moment, emerging from crisis, coming out of that fish, he is not the person that God desired he would become. Have you, over the past couple of months, asked God that question? Have you gone to him and say, God, I've been asking you what you want me to do, but who do you want me to become? If you're familiar with Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees, this was why Jesus was so frustrated with these religious leaders. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day when Jesus was here on this earth in the beginning of the first century. And and Jesus had, had great frustration with this group because they were doing the things that God told them to do. They were trying to keep the letter of the law, but God did not have their hearts. They were not becoming the people that God wanted them to become. You know, when I was a, a child, um, I, could, I could 
end up doing the things that my parents wanted me to do. They could, they could try different ways to force me to be a polite person and force me to have good character and force me to clean my room. And so whatever needed to be in place, and certainly I do this with my own kids, whatever sort of punishment system needed to be in place or incentive system needed to be in place to get me to do certain behaviors, they would do their best to try to create that framework so that I would do the right thing. But you know what they really desired for me? What I desire for my children, what my parents desired for me, is that we, not only would I do the things that they wanted me to do, but that I would become the person who desired to do those things. And God feels the same way about you. God just doesn't want to conjole you and, and force you into doing the things that he wants you to do. God wants desire for you is that you would be molded and shaped into the person that he's created you to be. That you would constantly be becoming more like Christ. So that then you would just naturally go and do the things that God wants you to do. The first thing we learn from Jonah is that you can do what God wants you to do. But if you don't become the person that God wants you to become... You and I fail in God's mission for us. And here's the second thing I hope that we take away from this story. The second thing I hope you take away from this story, and it's true throughout Scripture, is that our God is never going to waste a good crisis in our life to help us become the people that he wants us to become. In fact, throughout Scripture, God does his best work when people are isolated and quarantined and and hopeless and wondering what it is that God is up to. God does his best work in those moments. I mean, think about it. God changes the person of Noah or he desires to change the person of Noah while Noah is caught up in the ark. Noah's going to learn things about God while he's in the ark that he would never learn otherwise. When David is running away from Saul and he's caught in the wilderness, David's going to learn things about God in that moment and become the person that God wants him to be in ways he never could if life was good. The same thing with the Israelites in the wilderness. And even Jesus himself goes into a period of 40 days and nights in the desert so that he can learn things about his father and come be, be molded and shaped in a way that he couldn't otherwise. And it's only after those 40 days in the desert that Jesus is ready to begin his public ministry on this earth. God's not going to waste a good crisis in your life either. He's going to use this time, if you'll allow him, to mold you and shape you into the person that he desires you to be. But if you and I are only caught up in God, what do we have to do to get out of this tunnel? What do we have to do to get out of this thing? God, just just in this thing so that we can go back to the way that life was and we miss the opportunity to become the people God wants us to become. And we're going to be in trouble. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 5. He says this. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And listen to what he says here. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in the crisis. We rejoice in the pandemic, Paul might say, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
So let me ask you. Paul says that our sufferings should be rejoiced in because they produce endurance. Have you allowed God to build endurance within you at this time? Are you growing in your knowledge of who God is and the fact that there is nothing that could happen in this world that could separate you from his presence and his love for you? Are you better prepared to endure the next crisis, whatever it is that that looks like, because of what God is doing in your heart right now today? Are you allowing this to produce endurance through Jesus Christ? And then what about character? Are you allowing this time to produce greater character in your life? Are you seeking out the Lord and saying, God, what does it look like for me to become more like Jesus Christ? Are you using the extra time that you have to pursue him through his word and in prayer so that you might be molded and shaped into the person that God desires you to be? And are you allowing this time to produce greater hope in your life? Are you more hopeful now than you were before this began? Are you so consumed with God's love and with his direction and with his control that you know no matter what comes your way, you have an eternity to look forward to with Jesus Christ, that God is working all things together for good? Are you filled with hope right now? Are you allowing this time to build hope, not because of what the world looks like or what you're doing, but because of who God is? You see, God wants to use this time to help you become the person that he wants you to become. The question you and I have to ask ourselves is, are we allowing it to happen? Are we going to emerge from this crisis? Doing what God wants us to do, that's great. But perhaps an even more important question right now, as the light begins to enter the tunnel and we begin to emerge, is are you going to walk out of this thing more like Jesus Christ, more like the person that God wants you to be? You know, as a pastor... We have the honor, the opportunity to be a part of many funerals and celebrating the lives of people who have been on this earth. And some of those are for people who are a part of the church. Some of those are for people who are connected to the church. And, and there's been a handful over the years that I've done of people that I, I, I've never really known myself. And do you know what the, the best gatherings are when we come together to celebrate a life? what the most joyous times are, what the most meaningful times are, it's when we can talk about who the person was in Christ. It's when we can talk about who that person became in Jesus Christ. The most challenging services are when all we can do is talk about what the person did, what they accomplished, the things that they did throughout their life. Those are, the, those are the hardest gatherings. Those are the ones that, that to be quite frank with you, uh, lack meaning and purpose. When all we can talk about is a job or all we can talk about is, is, is some sort of success, what matters the most in that moment when we think about legacy on this earth is when we can come together and celebrate that this person became the person that God created them to become. Not because they were something amazing, but because they allowed the Holy Spirit to work in and through them. This is lesson number one as we emerge from this pandemic. That God puts us in these places not just so that we'd emerge doing what he wants us to do, but so that we would emerge becoming the people that God desires us to become. So Mount Hope, I encourage you in this moment, while 
you are doing what God wants you to do. Become the people that God wants you to become. Learn from Jonah's story. Don't come out of this moment just begrudgingly doing what God wants us to do. Just obeying because you're afraid of some punishment or that God's a, some sort of great judge. Become the people that God wants you to become. Allow him to work in your life. Allow him to mold and shape you by his spirit. And that looks like intentionally spending time in his presence each and every day. One day we're going to go back to very busy lives and you're going to lose this opportunity to spend extra time in God's presence. So do it so that while you're doing what God wants you to do, you can become the people that God wants us to become.